You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, what have you been up to this week? Ben, I've been playing a lot of Magic <laughs> this week. Oh, that's right. This is week number two of your Magic, Magic, Magic. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I played. Uh, I streamed. I think almost every day, and. Uh... Went to FNM on Friday, actually, and crushed it. Oh, that's right. You're the king of FNM. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I they so they do, at the shop I go to, they do sort of like a leagues thing where they fire three pods at the same time, and then you play cross pods. So it was like five rounds, um, and I went 4-1, losing only to Jamie Topples, Jamie Rigotti on uh, on Twitch, and uh, but my tiebreakers were a little better uh, in the 4-1 bracket, so I eked out number one nice yeah um but it's all gonna come to an end tomorrow i go to uh las vegas for a little over a week to rehearse this play i'm in and then come back here have all thanksgiving and then start performing the thing so that'll be fun that sounds awesome yeah how about you how was your week uh good busy i was making yeah. making recordings for my kids that are auditioning for the indiana junior all-state band so i was helping 14 kids make an audition tape so probably Oof. like i don't know five hours per kid so something like 70 hours extra over the last two weeks I've been trying to, to fit in <laughs> to what I normally do. <laughs> Podcast prep has helped you train for this very week of recording, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> except, well, except we aren't allowed to edit at all. <laughs> oh, I guess that would be. Yeah, that's a no-no. Because yeah. you could like speed kids' tempos up and like slow them down or make them sound better. Um, oh, interesting. How do they prevent you from doing that? They couldn't tell, really. They just make very big warning signs. And I mean, it would be pretty obvious if you like added effects or something like reverb. But uh-huh. I mean, splicing, like if a kid played the first half of something really well and then screwed up the second half, it would be pretty easy to splice it together and they would never know. But yeah, I'm sure there are people that, that edit. Yeah. Did you uh, have any time for some magic this week? I did. I did. I did my typical single draft. I did a draft <laughs> oh, last yeah. night. And uh, 3-0? No, not, not, not 3-0 this week. I 2-1 lost oh. in the finals to the mirror. I had a really good blue-red oh. pirates deck. Oh, nice. Very nice. Yeah. Sweet. So I am at, uh, on the trophy leaderboard, I'm at 23 trophies now, 68 drafts, 140 and 61 overall record, and a 69.6% win rate. How about you? I am at 44 trophies, I think number five on the leaderboard, uh, 166 drafts, uh, 314 to 169 win loss, uh, 65% win rate. Yeah. And you've been drafting the Dirtle, right? 
I have been drafting the Dirtle. Uh, we won't be able to get into that this week, but maybe we'll we'll find some time next week uh, to discuss it. Yeah, I, I've been really trying to break out of the the beard uh, <laughs> archetypes that we outlined a few weeks ago. Um, I think I'm not really sure what sort of spurred this on, but I've been having a lot of fun like trying to find this five color control deck in the format, which I think really exists and is really powerful. It's really like rare dependent and there's a lot of other factors that go into it, but, uh, but it definitely appeals to my like cube sensibilities. And I think to, to yours as well. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a really fun deck to pilot, but it's also been really fun to like watch people come into Twitch chat and be like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you passing one with the wind? I'm like, cause it's uh doesn't block. <laughs> One with the one doesn't block very well, right? Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's been really fun. Yeah, that, 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 that's what I've been up to with the uh, Ixalan drafts this week. Awesome, and I think we've got a pretty big announcement for the podcast. We do have a big announcement. We're, we're this is episode twenty today, so uh, we've we've launched our our Patreon. So we now have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash Lords of Limited. So this is a way we had actually a few people reach out to us, more, more, maybe more than a few, reach out to us that they were looking to support the show on Patreon. So that sort of was like a, a good kick in the right direction to start it up and we've got some cool rewards on there you can um, get access to our patreon only uh, discord page so you can see the degenerate drafting that i'm doing even off stream i've been posting stuff in there um, you can also get access to our show notes you can get access to some behind the scenes recordings and we'll be also interested to hear what other perks you might like to see if you become a patron of the the stream and one of those perks is to get a, a personalized shout out on the show. So we've got three patrons already who hopped right in. Uh, Matt Bedsole, Matt Bodden, and Chris Poulton. I apologize if I'm mispronouncing any of your names, but thank you all so much for your support of the show. It really means a lot to us, and uh, we we hope to be able to continue to put this show out each and every week for you. Yeah, absolutely. Like, And, and I think what you said about customizing it is, is a fantastic thing, too, because you know if you want to give back to the show, we want to customize the show to help meet your needs, too. Um, that's, yeah. That's absolutely something we're interested in doing for sure um so today we've got a really sweet episode lined up for you we're going to be doing an iconic masters draft primer so iconic masters is going to be dropping the the friday after the show goes live so i believe that's going to be the 17th of november on magic online it'll be available so we didn't want to do a whole set review show for it because we're not sure how many people are going to be jamming these drafts the way we'll be jamming ixalan drafts because they are expensive but uh, i know you and i will be playing a lot of this set ben so we wanted to at least devote a whole episode to getting you ready for figuring out what archetypes are there what are the the mechanics in the set what are the things to look for when you sit down to crack your first packs of iconic masters this week yeah um so i think the the first thing to do is to review some of the mechanics, because some of them are from recent sets, but some of them are from very old sets. So we wanted to make sure that you had a good sense of those before we get into discussing the key cards and key archetypes um, that exist in this format. So you want to take us out uh, with what the first mechanic is coming back? Yeah, the first one is from Cons of Tarkir block, uh, which is one of my favorite blocks of all time, Triple Cons. Um, it is Outlast, and Outlast gives creatures an ability that they can tap and pay pay a cost and put a plus one, plus one counter on this creature. Um, so you use it only as a sorcery. So essentially, if you've got like a 1-4 with Outlast white, if you pay a white and tap your creature during your turn, you get a plus, plus one, plus one counter on it and turn it into a 2-5. So every turn... You can put a plus one, plus one counter on it and grow it. But then the downside of that is those creatures can't block. So it's a really cool opportunity cost type mechanic to see if you've got the time to grow your creatures. 
Um, and then in this specific set, all the Outlast creatures grant abilities to all other plus one plus one counters, um, which is going to work well, well with a couple other mechanics like Renown and Unleash. So there's like three plus one plus one counter type mechanics that are going to all kind of feed off of each other. So like, for example, there's like Abzan Falconer that grants all creatures with plus one plus one counters on them flying. Right. So that's going to be a pretty big deal in the set. Yeah. So Unleash is one of the mechanics you just mentioned. That's coming back from Return to Ravnica. Uh, Unleash is an ability on a creature that says when it enters the battlefield, you get to decide if you want to put a plus and plus one counter on it. And it can't block as long as it has a plus and plus one counter on it. So important to note that not only... Uh, does it have this ability when it comes into play to be like, all right, well, uh, let's take, uh, it's, I think Dead Reveler is a card. It's two and a black for a 2-3. Uh, when it comes into play, you can unleash it, and that means it's going to be a 3-4 for three mana, but it can't block. But if anything else puts counters on unleashed creatures, that also causes it not to be able to block. So uh, Hunt the Weak, which is sort of a Savage Stomp variant, is in the format. So if that's going to put a counter on your creature before you fight something, then it's not going to be able to block. So important to keep that in mind. Yeah, and our last mechanic with these plus one, plus one counter synergies here is Renown, uh, which is from Magic Origins. And Renown comes with a number, uh, like, for example, Renown 1. And it says, when this creature deals combat damage to a player, if it isn't renowned, put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it becomes renowned. So Renown could be two, Renown could be three. I mean, whenever that number is, that's how many plus one, plus one counters you get to put on your creature. So an example of that from this set is Topin Freeblade. It's one and a white for a two, two with Vigilance and Renown one. So once it hits your opponent, uh, it'll turn into a three, three Vigilance. And that is not like Unleash, right? So if you get a counter on it before it becomes renowned, it can still get that additional counter? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Nice. Cool. Uh, next up, we've got Protection which is from a lot of older magic sets. They don't really make this a mechanic anymore because it's perhaps not super intuitive and maybe a little too powerful. But it, it has if a permanent has protection from a color, it means four things. So you want to keep these four things in mind. One, so let's say a thing has protection from green. Damage that will be dealt to that permanent by a source of that color is prevented. So any green source dealing damage to it, that damage is reduced to zero. Auras and equipment of that color can't be attached to that permanent so you can't put a green cartouche on a creature with green protection from green there aren't cartouches in the set but there's a there's a functional reprint right that red card uh there is right exactly yes uh hammer hand uh creatures of that color can't block that permanent so if your opponent only has green creatures on their side of the battlefield you cannot be blocked with your protection from green creature and the per and that permanent can't be the target of spells of that color or abilities of sources of that color so any green fight card can't target that creature and any green ability creature or permanent can't target that creature and that that's you also like not this is not like hexproof so if you've got that color of stuff right. you're not going to be able to target it yourself either correct all right next up we've got rebound which is originally from rise of the eldrazi and also recently appeared in dragons of tarkir rebound says if you cast this spell from your hand exile it as it resolves at the beginning of your next upkeep you may cast this card from exile without paying its mana cost so essentially you get to go through all your spells twice um, mm -hmm. So if uh, Stagger Shock's one that comes to mind, uh, it's two and a red for an instant uh, with rebound and it deals two damage to target creature or player. So you shock something and then on your next upkeep, it comes back and you get to cast it again if you want to. Yeah. And the, the important thing is that you are casting it twice. So there's a prowess is a pretty uh, big mechanic in the set. And then a lot of things that have prowess variants like care about you casting instants or sorceries. So rebound is a way to get that effect twice from one card. Yeah, and, and in case like it wasn't clear, the second time you cast it, you don't have to pay the mana cost, which is right, awesome. Right, it's free. Yeah, for sure. Regenerate is back. This is also an older uh, mechanic that doesn't really appear that much 
too often. Um, and that has an, uh, an effect of whenever you regenerate a permanent, you sort of recreate a, re create a replacement effect shield that is used later. So that effect means the next time that that permanent will be destroyed this turn, instead you remove all damage marked on it and you tap it. Uh, if it's an attacking or blocking creature, you remove it from combat. Did you ever play the like old like Chandelar magic game for the PC? I don't think so, no. I just th this was like the first time, you know how you like all the stops in magic yes. are really clear because of playing on magic online so much. Yeah. Regenerate is really clear from playing this like Chandelar game because it would like make the creature gray and like I just like it was very clear about like okay, so now this gray shield goes on the creature and then it's like dead, but then the gray shield disappears and now it's tapped. That's so funny because the first time I ever really understood how regenerate worked was when I started playing magic online. Like hmm. I like you know like there is you don't see the shield when you're playing on your kitchen table with magic yeah. cards. Like we would always like regenerate as the card died. You know what I mean? And then my creature died on magic online, and I was like, what the heck? Why didn't I right. get to regenerate it? <laughs> like you have to do it right. ahead of time. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. All right, next up here, we've got Storm, which is from Scourge and Time Spiral Blocks. Uh, this is a pretty iconic one, uh, so I'm glad to see it in Iconic Masters. Storm says, when you cast this spell, copy it for each spell cast before it this turn. So if you cast three spells before your card with Storm, you're going to get three additional copies of that Storm card. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. And, pretty and, there are, and, and it cares about <laughs> spells cast that turn, period. So if it's an instant and your opponent has cast some spells you're going to get a storm trigger for your opponent's spells as well during the turn. Absolutely. Um, and the last mechanic we wanted to talk about is Suspend, which is also from Time Spiral Block. Um, so Suspend is a, a, a cost of, of X, so we can take a look at uh, Dirkwood Bayloths, which is 5 and a green for a 5-5, five five, but it has a Suspend cost of one green for five. So you can pay that single green mana, and you exile it with five time counters on it and then at the beginning of each of your upkeeps you remove a time counter from it and then when the last time counter is revealed you cast that creature for free and it has haste when it comes into play that turn yeah very powerful mechanic very powerful mechanic there, there's been sort of suspend themes in previous master sets not quite so here but suspend is still a prevalent mechanic on a few creatures yeah, and normally this is like a spot where we would like to do a roundtable draft. We're going to push that off. Um, we're going to do an Iconic Masters roundtable, and we're going to push that off till after we kind of go through all the archetypes. So maybe yeah. you've got a better idea of the cards when we when we go through our, our roundtable. Sweet. So just some general notes about the format. You know, if you've played other ma master sets before, you know this format's going to play out a lot closer to cube than a regular draft environment, and synergy is going to be very very important so the decks are often super linear and you're drafting you're really drafting an archetype not just like good stuff yeah and you really want to have a plan for your deck so ixalan is a, a good format to prep us for this because ixalan you know if you're not drafting a deck with a plan and you're not you know drafting synergies your deck's going to be less powerful than what other people are doing like for example if you've got the nuts merfolk deck like your deck's going to be better than other people's decks that don't have that type of synergy payoffs um yeah. so sa same thing here for iconic masters yeah for sure um there are four mana rocks at common, so a mana rock being a two-mana artifact that produces mana of some sort. Um, so ramping seems like it's going to be very possible. Again, we should say all of this is sort of theory crafting. We're not, we have not played with this set yet. We've done a full set review and looked at all the cards and, and sort of mulled through that, but haven't seen the cards in practice. So we may be missing the mark here a little bit, but... For the time being, we'll say there are four mana rocks at common, so it seems like ramping is going to be pretty possible. Um, Evolving Wilds, which is a land that can 
tap, sacrifice to go find a basic land, put it into play tapped, and search for tomorrow, which is a two and a green rampant effect, rampant growth effect that also has suspend two for a single green. These are your uh, common opportunities for mana fixing, as well as ramp for search for tomorrow. Um, there's also the full cycle of bounce lands at uncommon. So bounce lands are lands from the original Ravnica block. Uh, so we can take uh, like what, Azorius Chancery is one of them. That's going to be a land that comes into play. When it comes into play, you have to return a land you control to your hand. It comes into play tapped, but it can tap for a white and a blue at the same time. So these lands are going to produce two colors of land, uh, so whatever their guild is that they're from. Um, so they're sort of like a two for one, right? That's gonna be a single land, it's gonna bounce a land back to your hand, so you're gonna get a little bit of tempo loss there. The turn comes into play, you're gonna be basically missing a land drop, but then it's going to be one card that's going to provide two lands for you. So it's a very counterintuitive kind of card. I feel like the first time you may encounter these, you think they're kind of bad, but they are very, very strong cards. No, they're they're awesome. Yeah, these they're, they're going to be very high picks in the packs, but they may go late initially because a lot of people are not familiar with them. But you want to be sure that you're taking them pretty highly. But those are your ramp and fixing options in the format at, at Common and Uncommon. Um, yeah, and when we when we go through these archetypes here, we're only going to be talking about uncommons and commons uh, because these are the cards you're going to see draft in and draft out. Um, but there's also, you know, if you want to check out the spoiler or it's a good time, I guess, to shout out you and Ryan uh, did mm-hmm. a whole set review on your stream. And yes. we're going to put a link in the show notes to uh, the grades for every every grade you gave to every card. Um, mm-hmm. So you can check out what Ethan and Ryan think about uh, the rares and mythic rares there. But the, there's definitely rares and mythic rares that are going to go super well in all these archetypes and maybe going to pull you into them as well. Absolutely. Um, and we're also going to take a look at the guild uncommon for each color pair as a clue for what the deck is trying to do, because I think that's a pretty good hint and a good entry point into each color pair so ben you want to start us off with blue white yeah our first gold card here for blue white is azorius charm it's white blue for an instant and you get to choose one of three effects um, for the card to do as it resolves the first is creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn the second is draw a card and the third is put target attacking or blocking creature on top of its owner's library. So super flexible card, very powerful. If you've not played with these modal cards before, having the choice of doing three things is pretty busted. Um, so yeah. what that's going to clue us into the blue-white is kind of a spell-focused deck, a prowess-focused deck here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a, a pretty aggressively slanted prowess-type deck. Oh, yeah. And th- there's a lot of key commons here for the deck. The first is Seeker of the Way. That's one and a white for a 2-2 human warrior, and it's got prowess, so whenever you cast a non-creature spell, it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, and that triggers for each non-creature spell you cast, and then whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Seeker of the Way gains lifelink until end of turn. So if you cast a spell on the same turn of this, it's going to be attacking or blocking as a 3-3 lifelinker for two mana, um, which is pretty insane uh, for a common. Mm-hmm. used to be an uncommon and got downshifted in rarity, right? Yeah, for sure. And one of the things that, like, this card was so busted this was pretty standard playable uh or constructed playable i should say and it was uncommon so you never really got to get many of them in draft well that's not going to be the case here now yeah you're really going to be able to draft a prowess deck with secrets mm-hmm. of the way yeah for sure yeah next key common for the deck this card is near and dear to my heart jesse and thief two and a blue for a one three human rogue with prowess and whenever it deals combat damage to a player draw a card this is another rarity downshift is it oh yeah this is yeah. an uncommon wasn't this it? is uncommon <laughs> Yeah, this card is insanely good, and I love all of these. Scroll Thief was the original, right? I love Scroll Thief yeah. effects so much. 
Um, so again, this is going to be a good attacker, and your opponent's going to be afraid to block it if you're in this deck because they're going to assume you're going to have combat tricks and things to trigger at instant speed to help help push this through. Another key common is Elusive Spellfist. That's one and a blue for a 1-3 human monk, and whenever you cast a non-creature spell, Elusive Spellfist gets plus one plus zero until end of turn and can't be blocked. So it doesn't have the word prowess on it, but essentially a prowess trigger there. And so those those three commons there in blue and white are kind of the headliner top commons with prowess. And mm-hmm. then you're going to try to back those cards up by spells that replace themselves. So, for example, cards that have rebound that would let you cast them twice. So essentially getting a two for one out of the card. And mm-hmm. or there's some cantrips also in blue and white. So the first of those is Guided Strike, which is one and a white for an instant. And target creature gets plus one plus oh and gains first strike until end of turn. And then draw a card. So if you cast Guided Strike, your whole team also of prowess creatures, is. it also kind of says, like, if you're in this deck, give your whole team plus one, plus one. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you block... Your opponent has, like, three prowess creatures, they attack, and then, like, this is a combat trick for everything. <laughs> yeah, and, and it cantrips. And it like, cantrips. You, you get a draw card. Yeah, it's yeah. just going to be very, very good in the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if you've played cube before, you know what repeal is. Repeal is blue X for an instant, and it says return target non-land permanent with converted mana cost X to its owner's hand and draw a card. So, again, it's going to replace itself. You're going to get a bounce, one of your opponent's blockers, and pump your whole team, assuming you've got prowess creatures on the battlefield to pressure them. Mm. Um, And then the last kind of cantripping one here is Bewilder, which is two and a blue for an instant, and target creature gets minus three, minus O until end of turn, and you draw a card. So again, all three of those combat tricks replace themselves. They're going to pump your team uh, if you've got prowess stuff. Um, So this deck is trying to combine those cards. Prowess cards, combat tricks that replace themselves, and you're going to try to be getting your opponent dead. It's like kind yeah. of like a tempo aggro deck. And there's also like some flyers and, a, you know, frost links, which is two and a blue for the two, two that taps on a creature. Uh-huh. Uh, opponent controls and doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. So just kind of an aggressively slanted blue white deck with this prowess theme running throughout. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we've got white green counters matter. So we'll look at the white green uncommon, which is Chronicler of Heroes. It's one green white for a three, three centaur wizard. And it says when Chronicler of Heroes enters the battlefield, draw a card if you control a creature with a plus one plus one counter on it. Well, looks like that's what we're trying to do. So we've we talked a little bit about the mechanics that that lend itself towards this. So Outlast for sure. We're going to look at some key commons. Inoch Bondkin, uh, that's the one and a white for a 2-1 that has Outlast for one and a white. And it says all creatures you control with a plus one plus one counter on it have first strike. So that's going to be at common. So that's a, your, a card you're going to see a lot. That card is very good. If you've not if you've not played with it in cons of Tarkir block, all yeah. your all your creatures with plus one plus one counters on them having first strike is a big game. Really, really hard to attack into an opponent that has a board of first strikers. Stalwart Aven is two and a white for a one three creature with flying that has renown. So the first time it hits your opponent, it's going to get a counter on it and then become a 2-4. Hunt the Weak, this is that Savage Stomp variant we were talking about. So this is 3 and a green for a sorcery. Puts a plus one plus one counter on your creature and it fights target creature you don't control. Timberland Guide is 1 and a green for a 1-1 that enters the battlefield and puts a plus plus one counter on a creature you control. Phantom Tiger is 2 and a green for a 1-0 creature that enters the battlefield with two of these counters, and then when it's dealt damage, you prevent all that damage and remove a counter from it. So if you have a way to then put more counters on this creature, you'll be able to just like keep it alive and soak up damage. So all of those cards are at common, so it seems like those are sort of the key commons for this green-white deck. Uh, the counter synergies are going to come at the uncommon level, with Abzan Battle Priest, which is three and a white for a three-two with Outlast for a single white, and it says creatures you control with 
plus one, plus one counters on them have lifelink. Uh, Abzan Falconer, that's a card you talked about before. That's the two, three without last for a single white, and it makes all your creatures with counters on them have flying. And even Inspiring Call, which is two and a green for an instant, draw a card for each creature you control with a plus one, plus one counter on it. Those creatures gain indestructible until end of turn. So this is going to be really going pretty deep on the counter synergies, but... If, if you can get some value off this card, I think it's going to be really a big payoff. Um, you might even use green to fix and splash the black counter payoffs as well. There's a, a, a black renowned creature at Uncommon that cares about counters and gives it death, gives them all your creatures with counters on them death touch. Um, so th- there's a lot of options there, and, and as well as the, the Unleash creatures we talked about are all going to be in black, or Unleash as the mechanic, all those creatures are going to be in black. This also feels like a home for the green rebound combat trick Praise Vengeance, and the green cantrip combat trick wild size. So Praise Vengeance is a single green for plus two, plus two to a creature until end of turn with rebound. And wild size is two and a green for a target creature gets plus two, plus two, and to trample until end of turn, and you draw a card. So I think both of those cards, the rebound green and the cantrip green combat trick, are going to slot in nicely if you pick up any of white's uh, prowess cards as well. So I think Seeker of the Way can slot right into this deck. But this definitely seems like an aggressive deck, a deck that's trying to go big, and uh, I, th- I think it's it's really going to get there. I think it might be a little more mid-rangey, right? Like, Out- mm. Outla- Outlast really wants the game to go long, doesn't it? I, I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And and, and things like like giving your, all your creatures lifelink, that, that's going to tend you to, to wanting the game to go a little longer as well. I mean, I think this deck's going to be really flexible. I certainly think there's going to be draws where you curve out and you're beating mm-hmm. your opponent down. But it also, like Outlast gives, if you haven't played Cons of Tarkir, Outlast gives your game a lot of late game inevitability. So if you can get the board to stall out, your creatures are going to get big enough that they're going to win the game eventually, especially if, you're, if you've got the Abzan Battle Priest that's going to give them all lifelink. Um, so I think this deck's going to have some really busted starts, but I think it's also going to be able to grind with the best of them. Yeah, for sure. Agreed. All right, next up, we've got Red Black Dragons, and the uncommon headliner here is Bladewing the Risen, which is three black, black, red, red, so seven total mana for a 4-4 legendary creature, a zombie dragon. It's got flying, as all dragons do, and when Bladewing the Risen enters the battlefield, you may return target dragon permanent card from your graveyard to the battlefield, so kind of a gravedigger effect that goes straight into play, and it's got... What are we going to call this one? Not smoke breathing. Black Ooh. and red. Dragon creatures. Oh, oh, geez. It's all dragon creatures. Yeah. Dragon creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Wow. That's yeah. insane. So this archetype looks a little clunky. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot more uncommon and rare focused. Um, you're going to want to get some of the best dragons, I think, for this archetype to really be good. But yeah. the, the general idea is you're trying to ramp out some dragons and kill your opponent with them because that's what dragons do best um so the the four common mana rocks that we talked about are going to be super important here so we'll run through those real quick the first is guardian idol just two mana for an artifact that enters the battlefield tapped and you can tap it to add a colorless mana to your mana pool and then it's also got an activated ability of two mana to make it into a 2-2 golem artifact creature until end of turn so after you flood out you can turn it into a little 2-2 bear but mostly you're going to be using that to ramp uh mannequin just two mana for a 1-1 one, one, uh, artifact creature construct that can tap to add colorless mana to your mana pool. Mindstone, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Two colorless mana for an artifact that taps to add a colorless mana to your mana pool. And one mana tap, sacrifice it to draw a card after you're done ramping. And then the last of them is Star Compass, which is two mana for an artifact that enters the battlefield tapped. And you can tap it to add mana of 
any one mana that a basic land you control could produce to your mana pool. Um, so those four things there, plus Dragonlord Servant, which is going to make your whole team cheaper. So Dragonlord Servant is one in a red for a 1-3 Goblin Shaman, and has the text, Dragon Spells you cast cost one less to cast. So that's going to make every dragon in your deck cheaper. And then yeah. the, the awkward thing about this is there's not like very many good dragons at common or uncommon no. so you're really going to need some rares here to, to make this deck good i think um yeah. so the, the uncommon dragons are noxious dragon this is from dragons of tarkir i believe yeah. uh which is four black black for a four four flying dragon and when noxious dragon dies you may destroy target creature with converted mana cost three or less another one is hoarding dragon these are kind of the two headliner ones this is the red dragon three red red for a four four flyer at uncommon and when hoarding dragon enters the battlefield you may search your library for an artifact card exile it then shuffle your library so the dragon's hoarding that piece of treasure and then when the dragon dies you get to put the exiled card into its owner's hand because the dragon's presumably no longer guarding it so very flavorful card there that's a another rarity downshift that was a rare and it's now an uncommon so a really powerful card at, at uncommon there in hoarding dragon i think yeah, absolutely. And then at common, there's Dragon Egg, which is two and a red for an O2 defender. It's a dragon. And when Dragon Egg dies, you get to create a 2-2 red dragon creature with flying. And it has Fire Breathing, which is single red for target creature getting plus one plus O until or this creature getting plus one plus O until end of turn. Mm. And there's also Furnace Whelp, which is two red red for a 2-2 flying dragon. And it's also got Fire Breathing. So those are pretty much it. And then there's Scion of Ugin, which is colorless for a six mana 4-4 flying dragon at common. So not like a ton of payoffs at the common and uncommon level because while powerful i think those cards are just going to be getting outclassed by things good things that your opponent can do with synergy a lot faster mm -hmm. but some of the rare dragons are pretty busted um and could be awesome uh ramping into with dragon lord servant and mana rocks and there's several payoffs like dragon payoff type cards at the uncommon level the first one of those is blade wings thrall which is two black black for a three three zombie uh, that has flying as long as you control a dragon so four mana for a three three flyer if you've got a dragon in play and when a dragon enters the battlefield if this is in your graveyard you get to return it back to the battlefield so kind of a recurring flying threat there uh, that's a payoff for doing this dragons thing mm -hmm. dragon tempest is potentially a build around here if you get enough dragons that got downshifted from rare to uncommon uh, yeah. so if you really want to go deep uh, dragon tempest is one in a red for an enchantment that says whenever a creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control it gains haste until end of turn and whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals X damage to target creature or player, where X is the number of dragons you control. So once you start getting around, like, dragon number three, two, three, four, uh, that starts to be a huge payoff. But again, like, very clunky, not, like, super great. I think this deck is going to look very strange when you lay it out, because I think it's going to be, like, two drops, four drops, and six drops. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so I think this deck is really going to be looking to you, if you're not dropping some sort of ramper on turn two i don't think you're going to get there so i think you're going to need like a critical mass of these two mana artifacts or the one three that makes your dragons cheaper so that on turn three you're playing one of these four drop cards i think that's how this deck is going to play out a lot of the time yep i agree next up we've got green red ramp x spells that's right so we're take a look at the uncommon here which is roshin meanderer this is three and a red green hybrid mana so either three and a green or three and a red for a four four and it has tap to add four generic mana to your mana pool but you can only use that mana for x spells for the x cost in a in a spell so really powerful ramp there that you can play a four mana four four that can add four mana but only for X spells. So then we want to look at what are those 
those payoffs. So the X spell payoffs in the format, the sort of, I think, biggest one is at Uncommon, which is Fireball, which is from, I think, Alpha, maybe? I mean, it's as old as time. X and red for a sorcery. Fireball deals X damage divided evenly, rounded down among any number of target creatures and or players. Fireball costs one mana more to cast for each target beyond the first. So you can sort of pay an extra mana to add a target to its cost, and as you're dealing that that damage divided among those targets. Really, really powerful effect, especially when you have a, a bunch of mana to sink into it from the Roshin Meanderer. Um, Heat Ray is it common, that's X and a red, for an instant to deal X damage to target creature. Ivy Elemental, not great, but it is an X spell at common, which is X and a green for a star star, or, or sorry, not a star star, it's X and a green for a zero zero that comes into play with X plus one plus one counters on it. So not that great. Uh, there's Hero's Bane at Uncommon, which is a, a pretty big mana sink, but not an X spell, unfortunately, but that's three green green for a zero zero that enters the battlefield with four plus one plus one counters on it. So that's five mana for a four four. But then you can pay two green green to put X counters on Hero's Bane where X is its power. So dump four mana into it, becomes an 8-8. Dump four more mana, it's a 16-16. That's going to get out of hand pretty quickly if you've got a lot of mana. So Roshin Meander is not the only ramper for this archetype. You've got ramping effects at common and uncommon in green. You've got Wall of Roots, which is, I think, a, a premier card in this format. It's one and a green for an 0-5 uh, with Defender, and you can put a minus zero minus one counter on the creature to add green to your mana pool so important to note that you can only you can't ramp infinitely with this card eventually it will die because it's only got five toughness but you can do this the turn it comes into play and you can also do it on your opponent's turn so it's not a sort of once per cycle effect like a lot of mana elves and then you've got overgrown battlements which is one in a green for an 04 with defender that taps to add green to your mana pool for each creature with defender you control so that's going to be a, a hint to maybe a future archetype but these are all going to be cards that allow you to ramp into these big spells you might also want to have like there's there's a slight teamer color base Defenders Matters synergies, and green-red sort of slots in there. The, the payoff for that is going to be a card called Vent Sentinel, which is three and a red for a 2-4 with Defender, and it has one and a red, tap, deal damage to target player equal to the number of creatures with Defender you control. So you sort of see the similar effect as Overgrown Battlements caring about your Defenders, but Vent Sentinel cares about your Defenders to deal damage to your opponent. So it's a really big win condition if what you're trying to do is is just hold the ground, put a bunch of defenders on the battlefield. So that that might be a minor version of this deck, but I think a lot of it is going to be getting these ramp effects and these ramp payoffs to dump mana into. Um, and I think a lot more of the things that Roshin Meander is going to be good at doing are going to come at the rare and mythic rare level as well. Yeah, and at, at the rare slot, you're going to be able to channel Fireball, right? Well, at the mythic rare slot. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, you will be able to channel Fireball. That's going to not feel good when it happens, I think. It's going to be an achievement for sure. For sure, yeah. There will be there will be some screenshots on Twitter of that. Yeah. All right, next deck we've got here is Blue Black Mill, um, which is kind of headlined by an uncommon that doesn't like super go with this deck. I mean, a little mm. bit it does. Um, so this, this uncommon is Blizzard Spectre, which is two, a blue and a black for a two, three snow creature Spectre, um, <laughs> which is, it has flying. And whenever Blizzard Spectre deals combat damage to a player, you get to choose one of these two effects. That player returns a permanent he or she controls to his owner's hand, and that player discards a card. So it 
sort of, you're trying to get cards in your opponent's graveyard, so if you're making them discard, you're going to fill their graveyard up a little bit, which will mm-hmm. benefit your creatures. But by and large, there's there's other more efficient ways to mill, so this is just kind of a powerful card that's going to go in your blue-black deck. Yeah. This is another bit of a, a clunky-looking deck, uh, but I am in love already, so I'm, <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm going to be jamming this for sure. So you're, the goal of this deck is you're trying to mill your opponent, but not like totally mill them to win. That's going to be a different deck that I'm also going to be excited to jam that you're going to talk yeah. about here in just a second. But you're going to try to buff your creatures. So the, the the two common creatures that really benefit from this are Jace's Phantasm and White of Precinct 6. So Jace's Phantasm, single blue for a 1-1 flying, and it gets plus 4, plus 4 as long as our opponent has 10 or more cards in their graveyard. So you pay 1 mana for your 1-1 flyer, and then as soon as they get 10 cards in their graveyard, boom, you've got a 1 mana 5-5 five, five flyer, mm-hmm. which is going to get your opponent dead in a hurry. Um, and then White of Precinct 6 is a black common. One and a black for a 1-1 zombie, and White of Precinct 6 gets plus 1, plus 1 for each creature card in your opponent's graveyard. So not quite as efficient as Jace's Phantasm. I think Jace's Phantasm is going to be the headliner card for this deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of ways at common to mill your opponent out. Or, like, not mill them out, but, like, get, get cards in their graveyard to to buff these creatures. So the first of those is Thought Scour, which is single blue for an instant. And target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or graveyard, and then you draw a card. So just gonna get your opponent milled a little bit and replace itself. So I think really gonna be a, a pretty important common uh, for this deck if you're trying to go deep with your Jace's Phantasm and Whites of Precinct 6. There doesn't look to be any graveyard synergies, really. Like we saw some recurring stuff in the red-black uh, dragon deck. But really... Generally, Thought Scour, like in the sets that it was printed, you were often milling yourself because there were graveyard synergies, like ways you could, like with Flashback or Raise Dead your own stuff. But I don't think you're going to be punished that much for milling your opponent in in these uh, in this format. So I think Thought Scour is most likely going to slot into this deck, and most likely you will be targeting your opponent to turn on your creatures. Yes, I agree completely. Another one of these common mill cards is Balustrade Spy, which is three and a black for a 2-3 flying vampire rogue. And it says when Balustrade Spy enters the battlefield, target player reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals a land card, then put those cards into his or her graveyard. So this generally mills like, I don't know, one to two cards on average, I think. Right. You, you look at it and you think, oh, maybe I'll mill five. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that often, I remember, from playing with this card. Yeah. Um, but will be a key common in this deck and is a good way to mill your opponent. Grizzly Spectacle, however, is a great card. Yeah. And mills people out in a hurry, uh, which is two black black for an instant speed. This is a removal spell. One of the only good removal spells at common in the whole set. Right. It's instant speed, destroy target non-artifact creature, and then its controller puts a number of cards equal to that creature's power from the top of his or her library into his or her graveyard. So if you kill a five power creature, they're milling five. So that's going to be a very important one. And then you're going to be fighting with other people over that card, I think, because that's just going to be a fairly high pick in general, because I think think there's not a ton of removal that's good in the set. And this is one of them. So yeah, and just as side notes, but we talked about with Blizzard Spectre, uh, discard and removal is going to work well in this deck also because you're just trying to get cards in your opponent's graveyard. So you don't really necessarily care about milling them all the way. And right. there's there's another common that you're going to talk about here uh, right yeah. after this, which is Doorkeeper, which I'm pegging as one of the best commons in the set. I'm, <laughs> I'm so psyched about this card. I think this card's going to be a high pick. Yeah. Um, it's one and a blue for an 04 homunculus. And that's on a serious note because I do like to mill. But I do think this is actually going to be good. Yeah. 04 Defender, and it's got two and a blue tap. Target player puts the top X cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of creatures with Defender you control. So it looks like that would go in this deck, but I think that's going to be a little too clunky. You're going to want to get cards in your opponent's graveyard faster than that to try to get your Jace's Phantasm big early on in the game. Yeah. So 
without further ado, that seems like a good good place to segue into Blue Green Defender Ramp. What a beautiful segue. Yeah, so Blue Green Defender Ramp. Uh, the uncommon, I think, here sort of tells us what we're trying to do. It's a 2 green blue jungle barrier. Is 2 green blue for a 2-6 plant wall with defender. And it says when jungle barrier enters the battlefield, draw a card. Ooh, baby. So you are just spinning your wheels here trying to shore up the ground. So as we talked about a little bit before... You have some green ramp payoffs that are defenders. You're looking to clog up the ground with, and you're looking to win through either milling your opponent out with Doorkeeper, or you're splashing Vent Sentinel, and you're winning through damage with Vent Sentinel. So Doorkeeper was the mill card you just talked about. Vent Sentinel was the, the red wall we talked about that deals damage equal to the number of defenders you control. Or, another rarity downshift... Assault formation in green is one in a green for an enchantment. Now, this is going to sort of remind you of Belligerent Brontodon a little bit. It, it says each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. And it has a single green target creature with defender can attack this turn as though it didn't have defender. And two in a green creatures you control get plus zero plus one until end of turn. But really, that's a plus one plus one anthem effect because of the first part of this card. So Assault Formation was a rare. It's now an uncommon. So I think this is really uh, another key card for this deck because you can just win through damage. You don't have to win through milling or or activating Vent Sentinel. Um, we've got Overgrown Battlement at Uncommon in green, Wall of Roots at Common in green, Doorkeeper at Common, Carven Caryatid, which is one green green for an uncommon 2-5 with Defender that enters the battlefield and draws a card. So sort of just a cheaper jungle barrier. There's even Mnemonic Wall, which is a blue card. It's 4 and a blue for an 0-4 with Defender, that when it comes into play, you return an instant or sorcery from your graveyard to your hand. So it's, it's 5 mana for not a lot of toughness, but does have a powerful effect if you want to rebuy a removal spell maybe that you're splashing or, or something like that. So all of these cards are just going to really clog up the ground and either allow you to, to win through damage with Assault Formation or win through Milling with Doorkeeper. Looks like a really, really fun deck. Looks like it's going to be pretty soft to flying creatures, so you're going to want to have ways to deal with creatures in the air for sure. But otherwise, this deck looks super fun to me. Yeah. Next up, we've got green-black counters slash sacrifice and gain some life. Uh, this, deck, this deck's got a lot going on. Yeah, it does. The uncommon here is Corpse Jack Menace, which is two black-green for a 4-4 fungus. And it says if one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, twice that many plus one plus one counters are put on it instead. Um, so kind of a whining constrictor on steroids here. Yeah. At four mana for four four. Um, and it pretty much shows you what this deck's uh, going to be trying to do. It's been downshifted from rare to uncommon. So super powerful card there um, at the uncommon for black green. And you're trying to use the green uh, counters cards from the green white deck alongside with Mare Ek Nightblade, which is at common, I believe. I think it's uncommon, actually. Is it? Like, oh, hot dogs. St- stated uncommon. Okay, uncommon. Mare Ek Nightblade, three and a black for a two three orc assassin that's got outlast for a black, and it gives all creatures you control with a plus one plus one counter on them death touch. Um, so that's a pretty big, pretty big payoff there for being black green counters. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of times this is just going to morph into like Abzan. I think counters so. probably yeah. uh, because they're fixing in green also and the more of these plus one plus one counter synergies you get the, the better they are right and i think a white green deck will probably also be splashing corpse jack menace so it's going to be right. super high pick there and then there's various unleash creatures uh in black from return to ravnica that's going to synergize with doubling counters so if you have corpse jack menace in play and then you unleash something it's going to come into play with two plus one plus one counters on it and there's also a little bit of sacrifice dirtling here with with, <laughs> with uh 
bog brew witch bubbling cauldron festering newt which is from one of the magic uh m15 m14 type sets yeah so bog brew witch is the uncommon here so Mm -hmm. these these three cards like a trifecta the wombo combo bog brew witch is three and a black for a one three human wizard that's got the ability to tap search your library for a card named festering newt or bubbling cauldron and put it onto the battlefield tap so it lets you go find uh the other pieces here um and then bubbling cauldron it's two mana for a colorless artifact, and you've got one tap, sacrifice a creature you gain four life, and one tap, sacrifice a creature named Festering Newt. Each opponent loses four life, and you gain life equal to the life lost this way. Um, so your opponent will lose four, and you'll gain four. Mm-hmm. And then Festering Newt is a common at black, kind of a speed bump here, and just really good if you end up going off with those other two cards. Uh, single black for a 1-1 Salamander, and when it dies, target creature an opponent controls gets minus 1, minus 1 until end of turn, and then that creature gets minus 4, minus 4 instead if you control a creature named Bog Brew Witch. So Bog Brew Witch being the key one here that lets you search up the other two, but if you get that, um, there's kind of a wombo combo you can assemble here, which also, like all of these go along with a card that we're going to check out here in the Black-White Life Gain Matters deck also, which is Angelic Accord. Mm-hmm. Uh, three and a white for an enchantment, and at the beginning of each end step, if you gained 4 or more life this turn, create a 4 for a white angel creature token with flying so you can see the bubbling cauldron there conveniently uh gains you four life for angelic accord to help you go off and make some angels uh there's also sultai flare which is three and a green for a three four which says whenever a creature you control with toughness four or greater dies you gain four life again conveniently that four life clause there for angelic accord and and that also goes in the abzan home there uh with angelic accord being white so that's kind of what green black counters the sacrifice deck is all about there i think it's important to note that bubbling cauldron is your only sacrifice outlet in the format at at, at common or uncommon Ooh, wow um we were really looking when ryan and i were doing our set review we were really looking through being like oh there's got to be like a red black sacrifice deck here because like we looked at dragon egg at, at common like well wouldn't be there be a great it wouldn't be great if we could get this dead ourselves so we could get the benefits from it dying and then then we get the 2-2 dragon with fire breathing but there just really isn't anything other than this bubbling cauldron so if you're looking for ways to sacrifice your creatures that's gonna be it all right, moving on to black-white life gain matters slash counters matter. Uh, we'll look at the headliner here, Viscopa Guildmage. This is white-black for a 2-2 human wizard. It has two activated abilities. One is one white-black, target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. And one white-black, whenever you gain life this turn, each opponent loses that much life. That's an effect we're going to see on another card as well. So as you can see, it's gaining you life, but also getting your opponent dead when you gain life. So that's sort of what this this deck is all about. Life gain payoffs include a Johnny's Pride Mate, which is one and a white for a 2-2 that says whenever you gain life, you get to put a plus plus one counter on a Johnny's Pride Mate. So that's going to sort of slot in both ways, right? It cares about gaining life, but also will get benefits from cards that care about your creatures having counters on them. Angelic Accord, we talked about before. Uh, Sanguine Blood. This is another rarity downshift. It's three black black for an enchantment at uncommon that says whenever you gain life, target opponent loses that much life. So that's going to be the second ability on Viscopa Guildmage. There are engines for life gain. Child of Night, one and a black for a 2-1 with lifelink. Seeker of the Way we talked about before when it gets prowess, uh, or it has prowess, and when, when you cast it on a creature spell, it's going to gain uh, lifelink until end of turn. And of course, Viscopa Guildmage being able to give all of your creatures life gain as well. We talked about some of the, the green payoffs, Sultai Flare, or Bubbling Cauldron gaining you life. Important if you are trying to go off with Angelic Accord, that you want things that have 
four life to gain. So this sort of incremental life gain is not that important here, but the, the four life gain is really, I think, what, what's going to push this deck over the top a lot of the time. There is one other card that I think is kind of innocuous looking, but I think is a pretty funny reprint here, which is Tavern Swindler. Oh, yeah. One and a black for a 2-2 human rogue, and it has tap, pay three life, flip a coin. If you win the flip, you gain six life. And this card was, like, nearly unplayable. I mean, not unplayable. It was just, like, it was just a bear in the the set that it was originally printed in. But I think now it's actually going to be pretty good in this life gain matters deck. I mean, being able to gain six life for no cost, like, it's just tapping this creature... Every other turn, basically, or every other time you activate this, on average, it's it's that's going to be pretty big. Because I think you'll be able to sustain the times when you just pay the three life and nothing happens because you're gaining life in other ways in this deck. Right, so th- theoretically, you should be breaking even on, on life unless you're mm-hmm. a horrifically unlucky person. Well, so you'll be doing a lot of exclamation mark, why me, when you activate this card? Exactly, yes. Yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and next deck up we've got here is Red-White, kind of prowess, mostly aggro. Um, And the headliner for uh, this Red-White aggro deck is Lightning Helix, which is white-red, two mana for an instant that deals three damage to target creature or player, and you gain three life. So this deck looks like not great to me based on the power level of this set. You're going to be looking for cards like uh, Infantry Veteran, which is a single white for a 1-1 human soldier, and you can tap to give target attacking creature plus one plus one until end of turn, which is very good if you're attacking, um, but kind of a minor effect, I think, for a set this powerful. Uh, Seeker the way we've talked about a bunch, it's just a good, solid, aggressive card. Borderland Marauder um, is a good, aggressive, common uh, two-drop in red. It's one and a red for a 1-2 human warrior, and when Borderland Marauder attacks, it gets plus two plus oh until end of turn, so attacks as a 3-2. Uh, Kiln Fiend is going to be a big part of this, although I think it slots even better in blue-red that we're going to talk about in just a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Kiln Fiend is one and a red for a 1-2 Elemental Beast, and when you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus 3, plus 0 until end of turn, so it hits pretty hard, pretty fast. So you've got those as some cheap, aggressive threats, and you're trying to back that up by some red removal here, which your options are Pillar of Flame, which is a red for a sorcery, and it deals 2 damage to target creature or player, and if a creature with dealt damage this way would die this turn, you exile it instead. Uh, and Draconic Roar is another big one. Uh, so it's kind of, you know... It's got cute. a lot of text. <laughs> yes, it does have a lot of text. Kind of cute if you're going uh, in red-black dragons, but not necessary at all. Just a good card in its own right. Uh, so it's one in a red for an instant. As an additional cost to cast it, you can reveal a dragon card from your hand. It deals three damage to target creature. And if you revealed a dragon card or controlled a dragon as you cast Draconic Roar, it deals three damage to that creature's controller also. So always going to do three damage to a creature. If you have a dragon or reveal a dragon, it does three to the creature's controller as well. And then you're also going to use white combat tricks to try to help push your creatures through. Uh, Guided Strike we've talked about. That's plus one, plus oh, and first strike and draws you a card. Pentarch Ward here is going to be, I think, a very good card in the set. Pretty obnoxious. It's two and a white for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature, as it enters the battlefield, you get to choose a color. And when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card, so it replaces itself. And then Enchanted Creature has protection from the chosen color, and this effect doesn't remove Pentarch Ward. So if you choose white, uh, your Pentarch Ward will stay on your creature. And if you've not ever played with or against protection, 
it is annoying as sin. It's so <laughs> it's so hard to attack into, and you can't block. It's just miserable. Yeah. And then emerge unscathed. That's a single white and instant speed combat trick that gives target creature you control protection from the color of your choice until end of turn. And then it's got rebounds. So you can use that twice in a row, and you'll they'll be able to use protection effects in this white red deck. And I say they because I'm not going to be playing this deck. Yeah. <laughs> to uh, give their creatures protection from a color and like force them through in combat also so that's what right red's all about there uh and then you want to take us through the last deck yeah last deck i think sort of s- split but it's more likely going to be blue red prowess um so we'll take a look at the, the the headliner uncommon here if you're a cube fanatic like we are this will be no stranger to you electrolyze one blue red for an instant electrolyze deals two damage divided as you choose among one or two target creatures and or players and draw a card so very Similar to what we looked at in blue-white, I think blue-red is going to be a really nice, aggressive, prowess, you know, spells matter deck. There is, I'll put a little asterisk here, I think there might be a blue-red defender deck utilizing either mill from doorkeeper or damage from vent sentinel, as blue and red both have an extra defender for each of their colors. So fog bank is another wall that's a one and a blue for an 0-2 at uncommon that says all damage that will be dealt to and dealt by fog bank is prevented. And then there's Dragon Egg at Common in Red, which is also a defender before it dies and becomes a, the, the, the Dragon Token. But I think more likely this deck is going to be a Prowess deck with the, the blue and red creatures we mentioned previously backed up by Cantrips. Electrolyze just feels like it tells us exactly what you want to do. You want to deal damage, you want to trigger Prowess, you want to draw a card. Yeah. Distortion Strike and Kiln Fiend, I think, are going to be sort of the wombo combo. So Kiln Fiend is one in red for a 1-2 that says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus 3, plus 0 until end of turn. So a really big boost from uh, getting uh, an instant or sorcery cast. And then Distortion Strike is at uncommon here, and it's a single blue for a sorcery. Target creature gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn and can't be blocked this turn and it has rebound. So just that one wombo combo right there is dealing 10 points of unblockable damage over two turns. That is going to get out of hand pretty quickly and feels pretty uninteractive, which is really sad, I think. There's also another nice uncommon payoff in red, which I think slots into either the, the blue-red or the red-white version of this deck, whatever Jeskai combo you have. And this is two in a red for a 2-2 Goblin Shaman. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Gutter Snipe deals two damage to each opponent. Again, so even just one rebound card being cast with this in play is going to trigger four damage if you get to get to your upkeep and cast it a second time, which is a lot of damage. I think this, this deck is going to be pretty aggressive, going to work pretty quickly, very synergistic, and uh, is going to be pretty powerful, I think. Yeah, I am psyched about this deck. What, what, what decks of these color pairs are you most looking forward to playing? I mean, clearly, I am most excited about Dirtling, so either Blue-Green Defender Ramp or some sort of, like, Abzan, Sacrifice, Put Counters, Spin My Wheels, Make Some 4-4 Angels, that kind of stuff. How about you? Uh, I think the the Distortion Strike Kiln Fiend really appeals to me. I think that's going to be super powerful. Yeah. Um, and I think Distortion Strike is going to be a pretty high pick Ugh. in the format. Yeah. And obviously blue-green defender ramp i think defenders are going to be the real deal at least i'm hoping i am i'm hoping so hard that they they are. just pushed it too hard i think for it not to be a good deck yeah it, it looks very very good and then yeah. just generally i i want to i want to do blue black mill with jace's phantasm but i i, I, hope I don't know how i don't know how competitive that deck's going to be yeah for sure so we should say that so ryan Sachs from star city games and i did a full set review of this 
uh, format. So you can check all of those videos out on my YouTube channel. And we'll also put a link in the show notes to our spreadsheet of all the grades we gave the card. So there's a there's a column in the spreadsheet with my grades, which uh, and then a column in the spreadsheet with Ryan's grades. You'll notice that Ryan's grades are sparse. I only put a grade in his column when his grade differed from mine. So when we agreed, I just kept it blank. But that, that'll be another tool for you if you want to go deeper and really look at all the cards, see how your evaluations matched up with ours, anything like that. Yes, and I can confirm, I had not looked at the spoiler until last night, and I spent like about four hours studying up so that I would know what I was talking about here uh, on this on this episode. And having having their grades pulled up while I was looking at the spoiler um, just was made it much clearer for me like what cards were important in the set. Like I could immediately see what commons... Ethan and Ryan were valuing highly, and that helped me like get a grasp on the set a lot quicker. So I would highly encourage you, if you're checking out uh, the spoiler, to pull up that set review grade spreadsheet while you're doing it. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ben, you ready to take a seat at the roundtable for Iconic Masters? Absolutely, let's do it. Okay, so uh, we'll go through the uncommons first. Hunt the Weak. This is the three and a green fight card. Sorcery, put a counter on a creature you control. Then that creature fights target creature you don't control. Ruined Servitor. This is two colorless for a 2-2 artifact creature construct. When Rune Servitor dies, each player draws a card. What do you think about this? Mm, seems fine. Fillerish? Yeah, yeah fillerish. Uh, Timberland Guide, that's the one in a green 1-1 one, one that puts a plus one, plus one counter on a creature you control when it comes into play. Oh, it's just target creature, not even creature you control. Yeah. Though, I can't imagine you would ever be buffing up your opponent's creatures. Lead the Stampede is next. Two and a green for a sorcery. Look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal any number of creature cards from among them and put the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. What What do you make of this card? Uh, It looks not very good to me yeah uh i mean it doesn't like the thing is it doesn't really fuel any of the archetypes so you're you're paying three mana to like impulse for a creature Mm -hmm. i think there's going to be a lot better things you're going to be able to do on turn three in the format i agree uh phantom monster three and a blue for a three three illusion with flying now this is generally a card that you might think is good like a four mana three three flyer seems good but i'm going to guess that this card is not going to be a very high pick as it doesn't seem to slot into any archetype. And again, you're trying to draft an archetype deck rather than just a pile of good cards. So I think Phantom Monster is actually not going to be a very strong card in this format. Uh, Nantuko Shaman is next. This is two and a green for a 3-2 Insect Shaman. It says when Nantuko Shaman enters the battlefield, if you control no tapped lands, then you draw a card. Well, how are you going to control no tapped lands when you're casting a creature? Well, it has to spend one two green green. So you can pay two green green to exile this, and then next turn it comes into play with haste, and you draw a card off of it. Very cute. I think a little too slow. Yeah, again, it doesn't belong in a deck. So cards cards that don't belong in a deck, I think, are really going to plummet in value, despite the fact that they might be efficient or give you some value. Yeah. Fury Charm, one in a red for an instant. Choose one, destroy target artifact. Target creature gets plus one, plus one, and gains trample until end of turn. Or you can remove two time counters from target permanent or suspended card. So basically, I think if you have a use for the middle mode, the plus one, plus one, and trample until end of turn, you're going to want this card in like a, a, a prowess matters deck, maybe. And maybe you'll get a bonus of blowing up your opponent's mana rock with the first ability. But again, I don't think this is a very high pick card. I agree. Um, here's a card I, I'm, I'm a little excited about. This is one, Borderland Marauder. That's the one in a red one, two, that when it attacks gets plus two, plus oh until end of turn. 
I am not excited about that card. I'm going to be blocking that card with my walls. <laughs> oh, I guess that's true. I guess it doesn't doesn't power through those four toughness creatures. Uh, Dragon Lord Servant. That's the one on a red one three that makes your dragon spells cheaper. Uh, maybe so. Maybe a, a hallmark card for that archetype if that ar- archetype is good. Well, but the thing is, you're n- never going to be picking that card early because theoretically, like red black dragons is only supporting one drafter. So only one person at the table should want Dragon Lord Servant. So yeah. you should be you should be wheeling that for days if you're in red black dragon. Right. So maybe if there was a an uncommon or a rare dragon in this set, we could, or in this pack, we could be like, all right, I'll take that and I'll wheel Dragon Lord Servant. Child of Night, one in a black. That's the two one lifelinker. Foul tongued invocation. This is two in a black for an instant, and it basically is a, a diabolic edict effect. So target player sacrifices a creature. Do you, if you reveal the dragon card as you cast it, or if you control a dragon when you cast it, you gain four life. So pretty expensive. I mean, edict effects are generally not great in limited. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. So I don't think this is a particularly high pick, even though it does have some Dragon Matters text on it. Moving on to the uncommons, we've got two of these bounce lands we talked about. So Demir Aqueduct and Is It Boilerworks. So Demir Aqueduct is the blue-black version of this bounce land, and Is It Boilerworks is the blue-red version. These sort of taking one of these is has the is the front runner of the pack for me at the moment what about oh, you ab- absolutely not even close i think brian and i are, are at about about a b grade for these these are just very high picks they're going to go in any deck and i think of note you don't have to be blue black to play demir aqueduct if you're blue or black or even you might put them if they're a colorless land in your deck but i think if you're just blue or black you're going to want to play this card yeah because it's a two for one and it's a land it makes your deck so much better yeah. And you can and you can keep like if you've never played with these, if you keep a hand with one land and one of these bounce lands, you're guaranteed to hit three land drops, which yeah. is so powerful because you go you play your land turn 1, you play your bounce land turn 2, return your land that you played, and then on turn 3 you get to play your regular land. So two lands guarantees you in your opening hand guarantees you to hit your your first three land drops, which is awesome. You can hit a critical mass of these because like if you have an opener of five cards and two bounce lands, that feels really bad because you have to mulligan that hand. But also, they help you, they unmulligan you really well. Like, if you open a 7 and you have to ship it, and then you get a 6 with a regular basic and a bounce land, that's like drawing a 7-card hand. It's yes. r- I think, really, really I think strong. 5 is about, like, the max. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe 4, four fives where I think 4 is good, 5 it starts to get a little dicey. And you can also play a slightly lower land count with these cards. Right, so if you've got 4, you can certainly get away with playing 12 basics, maybe even going down to 15, but... 15 total lands, but uh, yeah, Demir, Aqueduct, and Is It Boilerworks, both really high picks here. And then we've got a really strong card, Monastery Swift Spear. This is a single red for a 1-2 human monk with haste and prowess. I think this card is going to be really powerful in in the best versions of the red-white or red-blue aggro decks. Yes, I would agree. And then we've got a pretty clunky rare, unfortunately. This would not be an exciting rare to, to crack open <laughs> when you're getting your first draft fix in on Friday. Uh, Firemane Angel. Three red, white, white for a 4-3 angel with flying and first strike. At the beginning of your upkeep, if Firemane Angel is in your graveyard or on the battlefield, you gain one life. And it has six red, red, white, white <laughs> Holy return Firemane Angel from your graveyard to the battlefield. Activate this ability only during your upkeep when you're dying like or never because who has 10 mana <laughs> who has 10 mana this is such a weird card i mean i guess it's maybe iconic you know in a way but this is such a weird card because it doesn't go in red white like no one wants this card no yeah so so i think it's for me it's either between one of the bounce lands or monastery swift spear would you agree with that i would rule out monastery swift spear i think the bounce lands are too powerful 
Interesting. And any thought about which one you want to take? I would lean toward is it's is it Boilerworks, just because I love Blue Red, and I think the Blue Red deck's going to be really good. I, I thought you were going to be like, oh, I'm going full mill plan, Demir <laughs> Aqueduct, please. Nah, I think, well, well, I guess there is, I think maybe Demir Aqueduct actually might be right, because Red has a tendency to slant more aggressive, right? And the mm-hmm. Bounce Lands are better in controlling decks, so maybe, maybe Demir Aqueduct's probably correct. Yeah, but we're, we're talking about, like, fractions of a decision here, so uh, either of those, I think, is a front runner. I think... Depending on how the format checks out, I think Swift Spear could be a correct first pick here, depending on how powerful the uh, aggro decks are, because this card is going to be really good. But definitely, the most keeping you the most open is going to be Aqueduct. And I think you are going to want to draft this, similar to the way we talked about how you want to draft Ixalan with Beard, of like, your first few picks, you want to take cards that are going to leave you open to archetypes, um, rather than like grabbing the Merfolk payoff card, pack one, pick one, and then getting cut out of it. Like, just grab a green card that's going to go in any deck or a blue card that's going to go in any deck, and then if Merfolk is open, you can move in. Um, but I think trying to figure out what that open archetype or open you know, color pair is in this format is going to be important to finding your lane. All right, so we'll grab Is It Boilerworks here out of our first pack and move on to a pack that contains the following cards. Amass the components. This is three and a blue for a sorcery. Draw three cards, then put a card from your hand on the bottom of your library. So sort of a compulsive research effect to draw three, discard one. Yeah, not not great. Pretty clunky. Not great, but it does replace itself. So I think you may be playing one of these in a blue, white, or blue, red prowess deck. That, that's that's my my guess. Is that it's no, not it, a high... it is it is powerful, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Not a high pick, but something that, that you are probably going to have one of in a lot of decks. Uh, Moonglove Extract. This is three mana for an artifact. Sacrifice Moonglove Extract. It deals two damage to target creature or player. Now, if you need if you need to deal damage to something, you can have this in a pinch, but this is not a card I'm looking to take highly at all. No. Wall of Roots. Ooh, baby. One in the green for the <laughs> O5 Defender. And, and just basically anything with Defender, I'm just slamming. Uh, yeah, it's it's so good. So good. So this is the, the Defender that, that ramps you with the counter on it. Uh, Guided Strike is one and a white for the plus one plus O and first strike trick and draw card. Furnace Whelp is the two red red dragon with uh, fire breathing. Ojatai's Breath, two and a blue for an instant. Tap target creature. It doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. And it has Rebound. This card, I think, is going to be really annoying to play against. Yep, going to be doing some damage with Kiln Fiends. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. I was just thinking about, like, so you can, like, cast this on your opponent's end step or their beginning of combat step, tap one creature, and then on your upkeep, you recast it, tap another creature, and then, so both of those creatures are tapped during your combat phase, and then they are also, they don't untap next turn, so they're going to be tapped for two turns. This effectively is going to remove... Two creatures for two turns. Yep, gonna be good. It's really, really tough. Uh, Rune Servitor again, that filler 2-2 artifact. Phantom Tiger, this is the 2 in a green uh, 1-0 that comes into play with 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it, and then prevents damage to remove a counter. Uh, Lead the Stampede, that's the 2 in a green impulse for a creature. Pillar of Flame, the single red removal spell. Dragonloft Idol, moving on to the uncommons, is 4 colorless mana for a 3-3 artifact creature Gargoyle. As long as you control a dragon, Dragonloft Idol gets plus 1, plus 1, and has Flying and Trample. So this is a a dragon payoff we didn't talk about, but uh, definitely benefits from you having a sort of critical mass of dragons, as it can be a 4-4 Flying Trample creature if you have a dragon in play. 
Yeah, but the the rub is like it's hard to get cheap dragons. So you're, you're <laughs> yeah, like don't playing, exist. you're just playing like bad cards to enable your dragon loft item, which is good if you have a dragon. But I don't know. And then you're just gonna have this huge four drop slot. I just don't know how yes. this deck is gonna work. I yes. just don't know. Uh, Condescend, really flexible card. X and a blue for an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays X, and you scry to, which almost feels like draw a card. A Johnny's Pride Mate, one and a white, that's the 2-2, cares about life gain, gets a counter on it. And Thoughtseize, which would probably never be passed, because I think it's worth like five bucks. Uh, single black mana for a sorcery, target player reveals his or her hand, you choose an online card from it, that player discards that card, you lose two life. What do you think about Thoughtseize in Limited? Uh, I think it's good. I mean, you're always going to play it. Yeah. I think, and as the power level of... The set goes up, Thoughtseize goes up, I think. Like, Thoughtseize is really strong in cube, because you're, like, almost always getting a really powerful card out of their hand for a very cheap cost. Um, and I think Iconic Masters is going to play a lot similarly to that, so you'll probably get some some powerful stuff. As you see, decks are very synergistic, being able to grab, like, a key piece out of their deck, out of their hand. N- namely, a doorkeeper, you know, just trying to get their, their, bo- <laughs> their bomb common out of their hand. I was actually going to say that same thing about Condescend. Like, the counter spells go up a little yeah. bit in value. That's, like, leaning towards being a front runner here for me. Uh, so, cards I'm considering out of this pack are Condescend, Pillar of Flame, Wall of Roots, I think. Mm-hmm. Any any other ones that stand out for you? Thoughtseize, I suppose. No, I think, yeah. I mean, I guess, again, I would probably just take Thoughtseize because it's money. And I'm trying, you know, this is an expensive set to try and draft a bunch. But money aside, there are going to be phantom drafts of this available online. So money aside, I think I would not be considering Thoughtseize having taken uh, Is It Boilerworks? Um, or maybe even not having taken Is It Boilerworks. I think Condescend is just too powerful, too flexible, like as pretty close to a two-for-one without actually being a two-for-one. Um, that, that That's that's the front runner for me here. I think I would actually be on Wall of Roots. I think that deck's going to be so good. And I think Wall of Roots blocking and ramping. Like, if your opponent's trying to beat you down at all, Wall of Roots just stops that nonsense. And then the ability to ramp you on two is so good. I think I'd be on Wall of Roots here after Is It Boiler Works, and I would be looking to draft some teamer teamer defenders. Oh, my God. You might be right. All right, well, I'm going to grab... Well, it doesn't, doesn't matter. I'm going to grab the, the Wall of Roots here, but I, I would be on Condescend. So we'll do, do one last pick here. Yeah. Mnemonic Wall, there it is, there's your defender. Uh, four and a blue, that's the 0-4 that rebuys an instant or sorcery from your graveyard. Uh, Shimmering Grotto, this is some bad mana fixing at common. This is basically the, uh, oh gosh, what's it called from the current set? Uh, I, I never play it, so I don't know what it's called. Uh, this is a, <laughs> I don't know either. This is a land that has a tap for a generic mana, or it can filter for a mana of any color to your mana pool. It starts with a U, I know that. Unclaimed un- territory. Un- un- no, unknown Unknown Shores, right? Unclaimed Territory is the one that you choose a creature type for. Whatever. Why unknown they, Shores. Why do they both start with a U? <laughs> I don't know. Stupid. All right. <laughs> Next up is Survival Cash. Two and a white for a sorcery. You gain two life. Then if you have more life than an opponent, draw a card, and it has rebound. I think, unfortunately, this is not a card that you will be able to run in any deck. This doesn't seem very good to me. No. Ivy Elemental, that's the X spell at common. X and a green for 0-0. Enters the battlefield with X plus 1 plus 1 counters on it. Student of Ojitai, 3 and a white for a 2-4 that says whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you gain 2 life. So a, a sort of spells matter variant, but this wants the game to go... This feels like it slots more into the black-white life gain deck than anything else. Uh, Wrench Mind, black black for a sorcery. Target player discards two cards unless he or she discards an artifact card. So maybe a way to get some cards in your opponent's graveyard for the blue black graveyard deck. 
Disenchant, strictly sideboard, one and a white, destroy an artifact or an enchantment. Phyrexian Rager, two and a black for a 2-2. When it enters the battlefield, you draw a card and you lose a life. Radiant Fountains is the other, besides Evolving Wilds, this is the third land you'll see at common. When it enters the battlefield, you gain two life and it taps to add a generic mana to your mana pool. Uh, Elusive Spell Fist, this is one and a blue for a 1-3 Human Monk, and this has the, the sort of prowess text, but instead it gets plus one plus O and can't be blocked this turn. Rune Servitor again. I can't believe no one's taking this card. <laughs> and uh, then we move on to, we've got two uncommons left in the pack. Dragon Tempest. This is the, the card you talked about. One and a red for an enchantment. Whenever a creature with flying enters the battlefield under your control, it gains haste. And whenever a dragon enters the battlefield under your control, it deals X damage to target creature or player, where X is the number of dragons you control. I think perhaps too slow and too clunky to be, even be a payoff for the slow and clunky red red-black dragon deck. <laughs> And then we got Distortion Strike, baby. One blue, sorcery, target creature gets plus one plus one until end of turn. Can't be blocked, and it has rebound. I would be slamming Distortion Strike here. What would you be on? Yeah, well, especially if I had taken Condescend and not Wall of Roots, which is what I would have done. Yeah, but I would, I would be slamming Distortion Strike regardless. That seems like maybe a signal, too, that a couple people to my right might not be interested in in that all-in aggro blue strategy, which I would be happy to, to pick up, because I think Distortion Strike is going to be super powerful for that deck. Yes, I agree. Sweet. Ooh, I'm jonesing for this set now. I know, I am too. I, after looking at the spoiler last night, I was like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. Yeah, super, super fun. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Uh, another reminder, we've got our XLN treasure hunt still going on. Oh, we're down no. to We're down to one. <laughs> you, you pulled the gun a little earlier on Twitter. I don't we know what done. I was thinking. So the problem is, they, like, people have done the Sanguine Sacrament loop, but no one has submitted it for the treasure hunt. Like, someone tagged me on Twitter and was like, well, LSV did it. I was like, yeah, but he didn't submit it. So, like, we can't. I'm sure it has been done, but we can't count it, like, until yeah. someone is like, I've done the Sanguine Sacrament loop tag it or email us so we, we still have to unlock that but i did rebuy overflowing insight with a flipped conqueror's galleon i cast overflowing insight three times in one game that is disgusting <laughs> yeah the dirtle is real um but yeah we still have the treasure hunt going on still have one achievement to unlock please please get your dirtle on with sanguine sacrament people tweet us or email us that screenshot um you can get in touch with us on twitter and twitch i am at twitch.tv slash lord tupperware ben is at twitch.tv slash mr metronome Will, we, will the people be able to see more of you this week? Yes, I'm going to be returning to the streaming world this week. In fact, I might even fire it up this evening. We'll see. Nice. That's great. Uh, and you can find us on Twitter, either me at Lord Tupper, Ben at Mr. Metronome, or the podcast at Lords of Limited. As I said before, I have a YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash C slash Lord Tupperware. And you can find the full Iconic Masters set review with Ryan Sachs up on there. There's six parts, one for each color, and then uh, multicolored and artifacts. Yeah, if you've got any feedback about the show or questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you all so much for listening. Go crush your iconic master's drafts, and we'll see you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep, thanks everybody. See you later.